Paysetters is a Baltimore metro area business development group that is dedicated to connecting local companies and organizations to collectively grow their businesses. We work collectively to improve our businesses and gain a return. Beyond that, we make sure group members know each other's respective businesses so they can be true referral partners. We have the mentality of, what can we do for the others in the room? Members are encouraged to learn the businesses of their peers and look for ways to help. There's an expectation of members that if they need services another member provides, they give them a legitimate chance to win their business. The group is not just about direct opportunities. It's about who else do we know and how can we connect them with our Paysetters colleagues. Paysetters is a part of Baltimore Sports and Life, BSL. You can learn more about Paysetters, including information on our existing partners at BaltimorePaysetters.com. Welcome into the Paysetters podcast. I'm Chris Sterner, and I'm joined today by Mike Teitelbaum, the uh, publish, excuse me, president of Baltimore Magazine. Uh, before we get to Mike, one word from our sponsor. Uh, of course, Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One, their third generation family business established in 1959, located on Main Street in beautiful historic downtown Westminster. Uh, they're the oldest floor covering store in Carroll County and one of Maryland's longest running flooring businesses. For all of your flooring needs, think Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One. Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate taking the time. Uh, so Baltimore Magazine with Paysetters, you're listed as our publishing partner. I know the first issue of the magazine dates to 1907, and that you're the oldest continuously published city magazine in the continental U.S. So quite a history uh, for the magazine. Um, and of course, the magazine prints monthly, and there's daily content on the site. And what I really love is the company mission, state and mission of inspiring Baltimore to discover more, do more, and be more. So you joined the magazine in August 17. Uh, I, I was familiar with you before that. You, you had a highly uh, accomplished uh, uh, career before joining Baltimore Magazine, number of stops, and you could speak to that. But uh, what I'm really interested in is what drew you to the magazine and, and, um, and how personally rewarding was it for you to join uh, a magazine that had such a storied uh, history. <laughs> yeah, it's it was a huge honor to be selected to run Baltimore Magazine. You know, I I grew up in Baltimore, raised in Baltimore, and you know, Baltimore Magazine is an institution at, within a city that I love. So when I learned that there was an opportunity uh, to lead the organization. I did some research and, and, you know, they've got this strong print publication foundation, but I got excited about the opportunity to take that incredibly rich foundation and evolve it into a more of a multimedia platform. So um, that, that was the exciting part to me. And uh, it's been a, it's been a great little ride. So, yeah, we'll get to kind of the idea of, of, uh, how you've moved uh, Baltimore Magazine along, and I think you deserve a lot of credit, but tell us about what you inherited and maybe, you know, some of the positives and some of the issues, obviously the positive was the name recognition and, and some of the history. What were some of the issues that you maybe inherited? Well, first, a couple of the positives. I mean, we are blessed with a team that is like truly passionate about what they do, writers, designers, marketers, um, salespeople, 
we're all really passionate about what we do and we all know how important it is uh, that we are an institution in Baltimore. Um, we're, we've been an award-winning publication and we, uh, and when I say award-winning, not only against other city regional publications, but we win awards against national magazines. So um, that was nice to inherit. Um, there, you know, some of the negatives, if you will, there were a few people, great people, but maybe not a match for the role that they were playing. So, you know, after a few months, I unfortunately had to transition a few people out and I was fortunate to bring really talented people into those roles, um, that, that were now available. Um, I guess one of the other negatives it, it, we were we were a little too siloed for my liking. I mean, you can imagine that, you know, in every media company, you know, the business side or sales side and the, and the you know, editors and writers or broadcasters are very much, you know, there's that, that firewall, if you will. Um, I felt that we needed to break down those barriers while still respecting the uh, integrity of, you know, journalism. And so we've broken down the silos. Uh, we also, while we had a lot of passionate people, I wouldn't say we were operating as much uh, effectively as a team as we should be. There was no mission, there was no vision, there were no core values established. And once again, within the first few months, I established a leadership team and we developed that mission mantra that you had stated and core values that are that go well beyond words on a sheet of paper or on our website. We, we actually work hard every day to live by them. Well, you really touched on a lot of things, which shows why uh, Baltimore Magazine chose uh, correctly in adding you as the uh, as president there, Mike, about building a teams and using the resources and, and, and having the people uh, collaborate together at, and and coming together, meshing more as a piece. So, uh, you know, uh, kudos to you for uh, bringing that perspective and guidance uh, to the site. Uh, I felt, at least from the outside, that going into twenty, that you you had um, you had some new momentum, and and, and you were uh, in, in really good shape, and you were doing a number of things. So kind of, kind of walk us into where you were going into twenty prior prior to the pandemic, and and then some of the challenges you've obviously faced. I think we can all anticipate that you've dealt with advertising uh, issues here, here in the pandemic. So uh, where were you, some of the things you've dealt with, and, and then we're going to come out and talk about on the other side, really the, the adjustments you've making and then going into 21. Sure. You know, end of 2020, we were all, we had some great momentum on all sides of the business, not just the business side, not just selling advertising and getting sponsorships and, all that, but just our, our journalism had gone to uh, higher levels. We were doing some really great investigative reporting. In addition to our main mission of like celebrating Baltimore, we were doing some really great pieces of journalism and winning more awards than ever before. Um, you know, at the end of 2020, um, I was not only serving in my main role, but I was the interim uh, director of advertising as I was looking for a new director of advertising. So we were in great shape from a product perspective. Uh, both, and when I say product, print, digital, and events. 
Um, we were in great shape with some of the ancillary publications uh, that we were doing, our weddings publication, our game changers publication. Um, we have this custom publishing division that was growing and, and that, that was really doing well. Um, and then March came around and, and it, it literally just fell off a cliff. Like we, uh, you know, from an advertising perspective, it's hard to convince businesses to advertise when they aren't even able to open their doors, right? Whether it's restaurants or hotels or travel or retail. I mean, they were all, everything just came to a screeching halt. And so that was a challenge. And unfortunately we had to furlough about a third of our staff, which wasn't fun, but it wasn't fun. Uh, we had to learn to work remotely. Uh, March 13th was the last day that we've all been in the office together. So, you know, much like a lot of businesses, you know, 10 months have now gone by and we don't get to see each other in person. We do all the Zoom meetings and all that good stuff. But it, I, what I've said to my team over and over again is the outside world would never know that we are working with a reduced staff and we're working remotely because we keep on putting out a great product in print and digital. You know, our events, the physical events are no longer, but we've been doing some really interesting virtual events. And um, we are navigating our way through this most challenging time like lots of other businesses. Well, again, a credit to you about maintaining, uh, even with, a reduced uh, staff. T talk a little bit there, you know, being in a virtual world, how you've uh, maintained the culture, uh, particularly among the you and the rest of your leadership and uh, and the staff. So we, we, you know, actually in the beginning, we actually had more virtual meetings than we used to have physically, just to kind of offset the fact that we weren't seeing each other. We used to do one sales meeting a week. We began doing two. We used to do one editorial meeting a week. We began doing two. You know, we have all hands meetings, uh, marketing meetings, digital meetings. So uh, leadership meetings once a week. So it's, it's, and then, you know, even before the pandemic, we were doing regular, every supervisor has a one-on-one -on -one with every member of their team. Um, some do the one-on-ones weekly, some do it every other week, but that, continued as we went through the pandemic and, and those types of ongoing communications helped us feel connected even when we aren't able to be physically with one another. So now, uh, as you said, we're 10 months into this uh, pandemic and obviously we see the current numbers and while there is uh, some hope now that we, uh, with, the, with the vaccines and we, we can start to see some light at the other side of the tunnel, we're still, we're still in this process now. So what do you want uh, current members um, and outside of the group? What's the information people should know about the Baltimore Magazine when considering purchasing advertising uh, uh, right now? Well, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize the, uh, not only the demographics of the audience, I think everybody knows we hit a highly uh, upscale, educated and truly engaged audience. I don't know that everybody knows the types of numbers in terms of the people we reach. You know, our print publication, uh, we reach about 210,000 people a month. Um, digitally, 
we range anywhere from about 175 to 225,000 unique visitors a month on our website. Um, at our events, we used to do 20 plus events that we now offer virtual events and we'll get anywhere from a low of 75 to as many as 300 attendees to virtual events, depending on the topic. Um, and we, we try and make them topical based on current time. Like we did a whole series with Shepard Pratt on emotional wellness during these challenging times. Um, and then maybe the one other thing that I really like to focus on, because it is one of our goals for the coming year is to make everybody aware that we, everybody aware that we've got a custom publishing division. Um, we, the name of the custom publishing division is creative studio. It's been around for over 20 years. We do work for organizations like Baltimore symphony orchestra, downtown partnership, Maryland state bar association, Hillel, and a host, host of others. And we can do everything from a simple, you know, piece of sales collateral to a direct mail piece all the way up to. Uh, magazines and, and websites. So uh, up until recently, the only business that we would have is business that came into us. I mean, literally, we don't have anybody out there selling our custom publishing services. It's just repeat business and referral business. Um, I'd love to get the word out to more people that we have this capability. Yeah, great numbers across the board. And as uh, companies start uh, thinking about, again about growing their respective businesses, they need to keep you directly in mind. So you talked about furloughing uh, several employees. Uh, what's the current employee count for you? Uh, right now, it's 28 and a half. We have, we have one person that we've been able to bring back part time, and we're hoping um, that we get to bring that person back on a full-time basis. So 28 and a half. Well, uh, you know, 28 people for the amount of uh, production that you put out, both with the monthly magazine and the daily content, and then also with your uh, events virtual as they are right now, you, there's a lot on everybody's shoulders. So, uh, you know, congrats to each of you for uh, what you're doing. Uh, one of the things, and you mentioned it earlier that uh, you had started was the uh, Game Changers program. Uh, talk to us about that initiative. So um, this was really a, uh, a project that was close to my heart. You know, anybody that loves Baltimore knows we haven't actually been a media darling around the country. And um, what we know is that there are a lot of people that are doing great things for this city. And we wanted, to, while, while every month in print and, and pretty much every day online, we're highlighting some of those people, we wanted to devote an entire multimedia campaign to the people who are creating positive change in Baltimore. And so we created this first publication. It came out last February. Um, it, it, it was received well beyond our expectations, not only from readers and event attendees, but also from sponsors. We got sponsors that just hopped on board knowing that they were helping us do, doing something positive for Baltimore. And um, uh, we, the, the event, we sold out the event. It, it took place at Barbasquez. 
uh, close to 400 people there. Uh, and they heard speakers, uh, including Calvin Butler from Exelon, talk about what they were doing to create positive change in Baltimore. It was, it, it was fabulous. We're, we're doing it again this September. Uh, and we, so we delayed it in hopes that we could not only do it in print and digital, but also have another live event in September. Yeah, I was there that night, uh, and it was a fantastic event, a, a great crowd of, of energized people. But beyond the event, I think um, the, the the mindset and the it was the right tone that you had, Mike, in terms of uh, we're certainly aware of the uh, negative stories and issues that plague our home, but we have to do a better job of celebrating uh, uh, the best of us and the accomplishments uh, that we do have as a, as a city and a region as a whole. And there are so many, there are so many positive stories that just get drowned out by, um, by the negative. So it's not um, burying your head into the sand and ignoring the issues that, that are, that we collectively face, but also taking the time to illuminate the, the, you know, some of the, the great stories that do exist. So really want to thank you uh, for that. Uh, and that was a personal driver for myself in creating the, uh, uh, the Baltimore 2029 site that we did. Uh, so uh, I, I hope uh, more people will follow the lead. Uh, there are lots of stories to be told, but thank you for championing that effort directly. You know, I love that you say that because one of the things that we were hoping for is that there could be a little bit, of, this could be a little contagious, right? When people hear great stories, they get inspired to maybe do some great things on their own. It sounds like you did it. I'm hoping lots of other people um, got it, the contagion went within them and then they went out and did the positive things for the city. So thank you. Uh, in October, um, you know, as we said, you celebrate and uh, the best of Baltimore often, but in October, uh, one of your articles, you had a push for needed changes. Uh, Ron Cassie uh, provided some of his uh, uh, big ideas. I was curious, you know, just what feedback did the magazine get as a whole to uh, uh, some of those bigger picture picture ideas that you guys put forward? Yes, I think you're referring to the article he did on how to fix Baltimore. And uh, for those who haven't read it yet, if you either go on to our site or even go on to Google and just search on how to fix Baltimore, you'll, you'll see it because it was not just in print, it's now online as well. Um, you know, Ron is one of our best investigative reporters. I mean, he just digs in and, uh, you know, he came up with some interesting ideas from speaking, you know, from his reporting and speaking to those that have ideas, you know, some of them are truly aspirational. Um, some of them are more practical, uh, you know, things like tearing down the end of the Jones Falls Expressway. Some might say, well, that doesn't seem practical, but the reality is it's been done in other cities where a, 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 a road is essentially dividing the city. And um, so things like that and improving our transportation, you know, there's always going to be a naysayer or two because that's the world we live in. But 98% of the feedback we got on that piece was positive. You know, it was with the best of intentions of, yes, we've got a great city, but let's also 
realize that we can improve in certain ways. And here are some ways that we can make Baltimore better. Yeah, uh, big picture ideas, but I, I, I think um, practically speaking, it's it's some of the moves that are uh, a necessity for us as a city and a, and a region as a whole. Um, you know, again, glad to see you champion them and put them forward and they allow other discussion to take place. But, uh, you know, a very important role that the magazine provided there. Yeah. So, and by the way, one other thing before we get off that, which is one of the, in addition to consumer reaction, one of the ways we know that there's reaction, positive or negative, is other media properties wanting to speak to our reporters. And in this case, Ron was invited on many television shows and radio broadcasts to tell the story. And so he was he was doing the media circuit here in Baltimore to discuss the ideas that were shared in our publication. What I liked most about that, that Mike, was um, what exasperates me is when people just throw their hands up and have no ideas. And uh, you can chirp from the sidelines, but what are you individually or collectively doing to bring about uh, bring about change? And here we're presenting uh, direct ideas, and uh, you know you can debate them further, the merits thereof. But these are potential uh, ideas, and let's let's investigate them uh, further, and hopefully that gains some momentum. But you know, again, a very important thing that the magazine provided there. Lastly, uh, you know, part of the reason you're in a group like Paysetters, you know, you're, you're trying to amplify messaging and awareness. We talked a little bit about this previously. Just what do you want your fellow Paysetters to be aware of? Uh, another 69 companies and organizations, many of them, they got through 20 um, yeah, and they have their own respective individual goals in a year. And sometimes it gets uh, uh, companies, you certainly get caught in your own day to day. But as a, as a partner and uh, they can utilize you as a resource uh, directly in a number of different ways. But what do you want to make sure that they're aware of uh, with uh, Baltimore Magazine? Well, first of all, as a Paysetters partner, um, I am happy to personally receive any, um, anything that they believe is truly newsworthy. Now, just because they send me an email and say, hey, I'd love to be featured in the publication doesn't mean that they will be, but I promise that I will uh, react to that and uh, either tell you how to improve on the story that will give them a better likelihood of being well-received by our editors, um, and then ultimately send it to the appropriate editor for their proper consideration. So um, they can email me directly, michael at baltimoremagazine.net. I'm sure I'm on the database of all the pace setters partners, but um, there's that. Uh, I'd also just say, you know, if you want to be inspired to discover more, do more, and be more, uh, email me again, and I'll send you a link for a friends and family discount for the print publication as a... Uh, partner paysetters. You know, if you or anyone else you know wants to reach an affluent, engaged audience, whether it be in print or digital or at one of our events, um, reach out. And then lastly, uh, that creative studio division is, uh, can we do agency quality work and you've got access to the best writers, designers, marketers, 
So uh, print production, web production. So if we can be of any help to you and your organization, reach out to me. I'll consult with you first and then uh, hand you off to the most appropriate people if indeed you decide you want to do something together. Mike, appreciate your time. Thanks again for all, all you do for our city and uh, really our, our collective home. Uh, you know, congrats on what you've uh, been able to put your own stamp on the uh, magazine. Here's to better days in 21. Get the rest of your uh, team together. But congrats again for uh, uh, holding down the fort and uh, continuing to prosper in this environment. So thanks, Mike. Thank you, Chris.